We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Irish Gordian not. I know it's tough due to lack of film, but how do you feel about comparing Cole Mullins to George Karloftis? Coming out of high school, there's some body type similarities. I think I think George is a little thicker and a little bit just a little bit more natural playing that position. Where Cole as an edge player is just getting by on his athleticism. And and so it, it, it's not lack of film. That makes it tough. It's lack of seeing him play that position. Like, I don't think George Karloftis could have played middle linebacker the way that Cole Mullins played middle linebacker, but he's not being recruited to play middle linebacker. Can he play defensive end as well as George Karloftis did? That's a bigger question. Uh, but as far as, like, just certain body types, and I think body type-wise, IGK is the closest you're going to get to a comp for them. I think they're a little different athletes. And just how they play that position is way different. And, and now maybe the opinion, maybe this would have been a, been a much better comp uh, coming out of high school if we could have seen Cole Mullins play this year, but we didn't. What's funny yeah. is, Ryan, I saw George Karloftis at Notre Dame's camp, and I remember the Notre Dame coaches just did not like – he had very tight hips, like very tight hips. I don't know if he had a bad day, if he didn't – I don't know what it was, but they were not high on him coming out of that camp. And then he went out as a senior in high school and dominated. Yeah. And they just never backed off of their he can't play here mantra. But George, I mean, now I I, I still I think he'd have picked Notre Dame. I mean, I know his dad played at, at Purdue and, and his father passed away, and there was a, there was that pull there. But I I think if Notre Dame would have made a push for him that summer, I think he'd have picked Notre Dame. <sighs> well, you that know? might be one that got away to the yeah. earlier conversation. Yeah. That was yeah, Mike Elko. That was a Mike yeah. Elko staff. You know what I mean? Well, he, um, George has developed into a very good starting defensive yes. end for the Kansas City Chiefs and is going to play playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks. It was a first-round so. pick. Wasn't he taken at the end of round one, or did he fall yep. to round two? 30, 31 overall, I believe, or yeah. 32 overall. Yeah, 32 overall. Should have been drafted a little higher, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's a really good player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Salty says, Ryan, from the I'm afraid to ask category, why have you not detailed Al Golden's travel in your Notre Dame coaches on the road updates? Is he traveling to Nashville, Tennessee? No, this has nothing to do with NFL interviews. It, it is a personal issue that we're not even going to hint about. It's nothing bad. As far, there's just no, it just, it's hard to say it has nothing to do with him interviewing NFL jobs. So we did find out what that's about. It's, it's just, it'll eventually come out, but it, it has nothing to, there's nothing negative. It's nothing bad happened with him. There's no issues there. There's no NFL interviews that he's going on. It has nothing to do with that kind of stuff. So uh, just kind of take that and, be patient, let it play out, but it has nothing to do with whether or not Al Golden is going to be at Notre Dame, wants to be at Notre Dame, or anything like that. Just let it play out. It's all good. And Salty, it's not on the post because he's not on the road, okay? Right. right. <laughs> he's not on the road, so I'm not reporting about him being on the road, Salty. Jeez. That's kind of the, the point about it, yes. yes. Um, IGK also says if Jamie French takes another visit, how does that change Notre Dame's chance with him in your opinion? How if he takes another visit, we'll address it. I mean, if he takes another visit, it means that he has interest in Notre Dame. Um, if not, then he doesn't. So, I mean, it, 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 I'm not trying to be flippant, it's just that simple, it, you know. It's it, and he's not really worth discussing until he visits because he has been on campus before and he, yes, just it wasn't that super interested. JPEL 12, not completely on topic, but how, but do you guys think there was any other avenue other than NIL in the portal that would have been enhanced variance in decisions of top players? Uh, better enhanced it? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think those can are two. Change, 
can we change the weather? I mean, am yeah. I am I am I a wizard? Can I change just the overall I mean, like top players? Yeah. I mean, no. I mean, look, guys, the the stuff that's driven those players' decisions that but in the past is driving those players' decisions now. Kids who just are making decisions open. based on money now, or kids that were making decisions based on money before. To your, it's just yeah. out there now. It's yeah. more open now. So you know, like that. Uh, that's just that's it. The, the, the portal and the portal isn't like a, a impacting players decisions as much as it's just a opportunity for them to get out of decisions that they didn't like sooner and easier and more freely, which I don't particularly care much for, but it is what it is. But no, I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, no, I, but again, I, I would even say other than NIL, it's not NIL that's driving these decisions. It's pay for play. That's what's driving these decisions. Yes. It's paying it's pay for play. For these top players, yep. that's what it is. It's not nil. Nil is not what we're saying. And I, what happened with Jaden Rashad at Florida had nothing to do with name, image, likeness. Nothing, because name, image, likeness gets him nowhere near the money they were offering him. Nowhere close to it. Yeah. It was thirteen million. We're just going to buy him. <laughs> and they thought he's just some dumb kid that when he gets here, we we'll, we'll give him some excuse why we didn't pay him, and it's too late. He's already here, and that's where the portal can change things. You can say f that. I'm not signing with right. you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to play for you now. I'm going to do something different. And, you know, basically just lied. And I'm, I, I mean, I kind of hope, I kind of hope Florida gets hammered for this, to be honest with you, a little bit to where one of two things is going to have to happen. Number one, they sign the deal and they're forced to pay it, pay him, which, yeah, good. I mean, you look, do I think it's absurd that he all got offered that kind of money? It's stupid he got offered that kind of, but you offered it. Stick to Did your he, word and pay was it. Was it was it a contract though? That would yes. be my main Apparently question. He there was signed a contract it. involved. Yes, hmm. he signed it. But the thing okay. that they're saying is this is the debate. Now, again, I don't know the particulars, okay. so I'm just telling you like of what is like this. They offered him a deal, signed yep. a deal. And what they're saying now is, is that Florida is basically because it's a it's a it's a collective that I think is now defunct, I believe. Okay. But basically, they said that it was it was in, in, indicative of him coming to Florida. That's illegal. You're not allowed okay. to do that. You're not yeah. allowed to, to sign. Con, you're not allowed to do contracts that are geared towards. Um, you have to pick this school or the contract, or we won't pay you this. That's it's not avoided. allowed. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yep. And so. That so basically, what they're saying is either Florida broke the rules and did that, or the contract didn't have specific language. You have to go to Florida in it, which means they still have to pay him the money. Right. So either they right. they either own the money, or they broke a major rule and are going to get hammered. And so that's kind of uh, where we're at. It'd be pretty crazy if they pay him that much money just to not play for Florida. That'd be yeah. pretty wild. <laughs> pretty yeah. wild, but yeah. Yeah, it would very much be wild. So I have my phone turned off because, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing the show. And my wife is currently in Puerto Rico. So she does a stinking mm-hmm. FaceTime, which goes on my computer. That's what that sound nice. was. So I apologize, everyone. Nice. So, nice. yes. But, uh, yeah, that Florida said that's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Because like this is what I've been told this by a lot of people uh, that are that are involved in college programs. These collectors are just offering these kids these this money, and then yep. when they show up, they're stiffing them, they're late in payments, they're not giving them the money they're supposed to give them, and that like that's the problem with all this. And say, so, you know, this kid's a this kid's a an idiot. He's just doing this, or he's. And I'm like, guys, it's not. Don't just always. Sometimes it is. 
It's not always that simple. It's not always just the kid right. is jumping in. Sometimes it's, hey, I was offered this amount of money, and then I get there, and you're not paying me. Not only is that, it's not, well, I'm leaving because you're not paying me. That's a break of trust. Right. Right. I came to play for you for this reason, and now you're not honoring your end of the deal, but I'm supposed to honor my end of the deal and still play? That's not mm -hmm. how this works. Right. I don't think you should be offering those kids that kind of money just to come and play. It should be and I it should be related to some sort of exchange of services, right? I'll give you NIL money if you do commercials for me or you come show up at this thing for me or you do that's what it's supposed to be for me. Some yep. sort of brand representation. And I've said this, if Caleb Williams is worth 10 million dollars to advertisers to do different things then he is worth 10 million dollars. Right. But he should be worth $10 million to some collective who just wants him to come play quarterback for them. That's what I don't like. But if you're going to offer these kids this money, then there should be a mechanism in place that if you don't pay those kids the money that you signed them, that you agreed to pay them for, then you should get hammered. And that's, yeah. that's, but that's, but the problem is these contracts are very, if you talk, I, I can't stand the, how much lawyers are involved in this whole process. And I think they're ruining all this. However, there is a need for legal representation because some of these NIL contracts are completely garbage and 100% skewed towards the school and the collective where they can basically say, hey, we can void this at any time for any reason. Well, that's ridiculous. That's not a real contract at that point yeah. in time. You know, like I can just decide not, ah, Ryan, I don't feel like paying you this month. Well, it's in the contract that I can do this. Well, you know, like it'd be different if you signed that kind of, you're 30 something year old grown man with kids. You, you, you know, yeah. but you're doing this with seven, 16, 17, 18 year olds. Like you're trying to take advantage of them and yep. it's a jacked up system and I hate it. And that's the stuff that needs to get fixed. There needs to be more. That's why there needs to be more stuff that's regulate. I'm not a big fan of regulation. I, I'm not a big fan of over-regulation, but this notion that there shouldn't be any regulation. It's like when you talk economics, I get friends of mine on the right and they'll be like, oh, there should be no regulation. Man, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Because if there's no regulation, then it's the wild, wild west. And the, no, there needs to be regulation, but it needs to be this type that allows for more freedom to do this and invest in this and this. You can't have no regulation. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Right? Because like, oh, five year old's working for me. You know what I mean? Like, because they, you know, it's like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You know, but you also don't want to overregulate. And right now, they're erring on the side of underregulation. My fear, however, Ryan, is when they fix it, it's going to then go into overregulation, and then we're going to be back to the drawing board. And there's going to be now legal fights about that. It's just, it just sucks because this whole process just sucks, in my opinion. I wish I could get thirteen million dollars to not go to Gainesville, Florida. Know, right? That'd be fun. That'd be fun. And if they have to pay him that, that's what they get. I, I <laughs> that's what they get. We had Leighton Borkholder. Hey, Brian and Ryan, what do you think that the chances are that Devin Ford is still on the roster in August? I mean, it depends on how the spring goes. I, I mean, yeah. like so, right now, Leighton, and I'm not trying to duck your question because I, I just don't want to give odds because I just I don't know because it's going to depend on what kind of jump does Devin make this year? Like, look, he's going to be going into, you know, year two at Notre Dame and, and he's got some ability as well. Like maybe he's, maybe he passes up Jabron Payne for that number third down running back role. It's not, I don't think he'll do it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And if that's the case, then guess what? He'll be back in the fall. And if he doesn't, then he may not be. I, I hope he stays. I, I do. I like Devin Ford. The thing I like about Devin Ford is, Ryan, you know what he did this year at Notre Dame? It's a former top-hundred recruit. And you know what he said? What Basically, his his attitude was in Notre Dame this year? 
Devlin, what what do you want to do this year? Whatever you need, coach. Choose hard. Choose hard. Whatever. Yep. Whatever you need me to do, coach. Uh, you need me to run down on kickoffs. You need me to be the kick returner. I'll be the kick returner. You need me to be the lead blocker on kick returns. I'll be the lead blocker on kick returns. You need me to catch the ball, block, run, whatever. You know, I'll do whatever you need, coach. There's there's value in that type of personality. You know what I mean? Because like if this six year guy is out there just grinding every day, guess what that means for Kedron Young and Jabron Payne and Anisim? They got to grind every day as well. Right. I think there's value in that if you can make the scholarships work. Yeah, that, that's the thing for me. Just Notre Dame. Don't ask him to return kicks this year, please, please, please. All due respect. Well, don't ask. Him I don't. Do that, th- I think once they got, uh, they went out and got, uh, you know, Jane Harrison. I think that was kind yeah. of uh, not gonna, not gonna be yes. a, an option, right? Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, Chris W. I remember on a previous show you said Tommy Reese had, wasn't considered to stay at Alabama because his offense is different than Kalen DeBoer's offense. What is the difference between the two offenses? Oh man, how long you got on this? I question? don't. <laughs> I don't believe that that's what we said though. Uh, I, I, yep. I, I, you know, Tommy Reese runs a a pro style, just pro a, a pro style offense is basically what Tommy Reese does. Okay, uh, Kalen DeBoer is more of a spread coach, right? But it's more so of the staff is already in place, basically. I mean, and, and what I also said was I don't I don't think the the relationship that Tommy Reese kind of had during the interview process with Jamarcus Shepard is going to mean that he's not going to have an he's not going to have an ally in the room for hey let's keep Tommy Reese on board, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just a completely different type of of offense, but but it just pro style physical run game, tight end oriented, middle of the field oriented throwing game towards spread. I mean, I I don't I, I, I don't think it's an air raid, but it, it's more air raid than it is pro style from a structural standpoint. It's got air raid principles. Yeah. It's got air raid principles. So so it's just a, it's just polar opposites in that regard. Now Tommy Reese yep. could coach in that offense. He's a smart guy. He can adapt and and get into that offense. It's just why, if you're right. Kalen DeBoer, why why would you want that? When you, you already know? have Ryan Grubb and your and Shepard coming over, right? Like exactly, just, and yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just and and then the, the bet and then from there, how would you make Tommy Reese fit like quarterback coach? Like Tommy Reese is going right. to be demoted to a quarterback no. coach and stay. Like that's not no. going to happen. So, nor should yeah. he. Nor should yeah. he. Absolutely yeah. right. This wasn't going to be reasonable. Yeah. Here's an NFL one, Ryan. I'll read this one. Hey, Ryan, your NFL question. You're the GM of the Lions. What moves are you making this offseason? I'm trading Hutchison for help in the secondary ASAP. Interested to hear your thoughts. Well, I can tell you one thing. I'm not doing is trading Aiden Hutchinson for help in the secondary ASAP all due respects, but I, there are other avenues to find secondary help. And I understand why that isn't the thought process, but Aiden Hutchinson's a top five to seven edge player in the NFL right now. And you have him on a rookie contract. Like I'm not, I'm not trading that guy. Absolutely not. For me, I think that you need to get a, another secondary pass catcher. I, I think we saw Amon Ross St. Brown is a stud, really good football player. Jamison Williams, has moments, isn't there yet, but if we get one more wide receiver to replace kind of the Josh Reynolds role in the offense, then you're cooking with Greece. You have two good running backs already. You have your quarterback in place. Offensive line is very good for the most part. So aside from that, like you just need some secondary pass, another secondary pass catcher that's more dependable. Defensively, I think that you need a partner to go along with Aiden Hutchinson. I think that a guy on the other side... I saw a crazy stat. I, I I don't know the numbers for for like off the top of my head completely, but on the season coming into yesterday's game, 
Aiden Hutchinson had 118 quarterback hurries on the year in total, including playoffs. The next closest on the line was Aleem McNeil, who's a defensive tackle, who had 40. So just think about that. 118 to 40. That is a massive drop-off. So I yeah. think you need to try to find more pass rushing help on the other side of Aiden Hutchinson. So other secondary pa uh, pass rusher, secondary pass catcher, and then some cornerback help, especially. Like, I, I think that you really need an outside corner. You know, Sutton is a solid little player, but I think he'd be better served as a nickel kind of flex player. You have Brian Branch in the nickel, who's a really good football player. So I'm attacking outside corner. I'm attacking secondary pass, pass catcher. I'm attacking sec secondary rusher. But outside of that, honestly, what's the big thing in the offseason? You're probably going to lose Ben Johnson, your offensive coordinator, to a head oh. coaching job. He's kind of been linked to Washington a ton. So you need to find a, the next wave of a really good offensive coordinator, oh. and you need to find those kind of secondary pieces to keep this thing sustained. Josh Reynolds killed them yesterday in the second half. Yeah, it was bad yesterday. Killed it, it's a shame because Josh was actually pretty solid this year for the most part for Detroit, but yesterday he had a terrible yeah. game. Yes, Awful second half. Getting to me, I look at them. I'm like, you know, you got Amon Ross St. Brown and what he can do, and you got a speedy guy and Jamison Williams, and you've got Sam Laporta. Like, if they could get like a longer, like you said, dependable, you know, bigger type of body type at receiver to complement that, that'd be really nice to see. Like, yes. th that, that's something that I could see them doing. Do they have a first round draft pick? I believe they do. Yeah. Let me ask you this I question. Don't, I, don't, I don't see how they so run. they'll be picking yeah. like what, 29th? Right now, right? They, they, it'd mm -hmm. be them and then the Ravens? Yes. Yep. Let's say a guy like Keon Coleman and, or uh, Brian Thomas falls that far. Based on certain mock him. drafts, Keon yep. Coleman's going to be a late. I'm just body mm -hmm. type wise. Yeah. Would you think it would be wise for them to use a first round pick on a wide receiver if that kind of guy falls to them? Yeah. Yeah. If someone like that's there, I think that that's physicality is what they absolutely need so yeah if, if there's a pass catcher with that type of body type i would be more like if Ke if keon coleman and brian thomas were both on the board i would be okay with either one but i would lean towards keon coleman just because he's more of the physical pass catcher brian mm -hmm. thomas is long and can run but you also have jamison williams who kind of is the long right. well not long but like super i mean he can run for days obviously he's your vertical element yeah. so if you can get a bigger body pass catcher that can kind of be a dependable guy I think that that would take that offense next level. But honestly, yeah. I, th I think defense is more of my concern. I just think getting into secondary pass catcher would be a big move for yeah. this offseason as well. That's the thing that, that I bring up receiver. I don't, based on what I saw the last two weeks, I don't disagree that that getting some help in the secondary and getting a secondary pass rusher are important things for the Lions. Yeah. But I look at this draft class and just some of the receivers on it. You could see a really good receiver falling to where it's like the value at that pick at 29 mm -hmm. is just like, how do we turn that down? Yeah, so I think corner could be that way too. Like, I yeah. think there's a world that like a Kalen King from Penn State could even yeah. fall potentially to that spot where it's just like, yeah, cool. My I'll thought on that guy. was Ryan, just a very rough look at this, and I want to get you to respond yeah. to because I know you study more. I kind of felt like corners a position where if I was late first round, I might mm -hmm. even wait because there's some really good like day two corners as well. It just yeah. will depend on what else is there. You know what I mean? Depends on the um, depends where the runs start too. Yeah. I would say. I mean, like, yeah. it, does the wide receiver run start outside of Marvin Harrison Jr.? Do we see two or three others in the top ten? Right. Cornerback. When exactly does the run at corner starts? I mean, right. that, there's a lot of variables that could go. Because into what it. can and you know this? What's fun about the draft is you don't know when it's going to be because the run could start early, 
And then yeah. now they all get bumped up. Or people could say, well, we're going to hold off because it's so deep. And then those guys yeah. get pushed back and the run starts later. That's the fascinating thing about how these drafts go sometimes. It's like the depth sometimes can cause an early run. Like, remember, it was a quarterback was like that the year Ian Book got drafted. Mm-hmm. Like, the quarterback run started so early that, like, Kellen Mond got moved up. Davis Mills got moved up. Ian Book got moved up because that day one, day early day two run started so hard that it yeah. just bumped everybody up. Sometimes it can happen where they kind of because it's so deep. It's like, well, we can get a guy that we don't need to use a first round pick there because it's so mm-hmm. deep. We're going to get a day two guy there, and so exactly. it's going to be fascinating to, to see. And which deep position does the run start on first? That's the other part yeah. of it. Yeah. Like, so is it corner or is it receiver? Because it's usually not both, because no. there's still so many uh, values, like tackles and ends. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's yeah. going to be interesting. It's going to be very yep. interesting. That's and, and obviously we're talking. Yeah, we're always talking about scenarios before the uh, free agency even happens, too. We're just like, what right. can happen from here until the trip yeah. as well? You know, like a lot of yep. it's going to change. Absolutely. So we'll see. We had Ball Peen Shillelagh. Well, that's an interesting one. If you were Coach Freeman, what are three areas that you would emphasize more to bring Notre Dame closer to a championship? More dynamic offense, number one. Yep. yep. Um. You need to you need to get the strength conditioning program figured out. I mean, because yep. whatever the reason why Matt Bayless was gone after last year, how you replace him is going to go a long way towards determining if Marcus Freeman can win a championship or not. That's the other part of it. And then the third part is you just have to you have to create a more hungry culture. I, I just feel like there's a there, there's and this is this is a unique Notre Dame problem. It is Ryan because. You can have tremendous success at Notre Dame and never do much playing football because of what Notre Dame offers. I've, I've heard Notre Dame coaches complain about this in the past. Like, this guy's just not hungry because he's perfectly happy just where he is because he's going to get a Notre Dame degree and he's going to go make yeah. a lot of money. And so he's content where, let's be honest, some kids at other schools are like, dude, if football doesn't work out, this kid doesn't yeah. know what the heck he's going to do with his life. It's and, real. And yeah. so – you you have to like one thing Lou Holtz did a good job of is creating that hunger to be great at football, even though the rest of life is kind of not too bad for me right now. You know what I mean? And so creating that really hungry culture that includes competitiveness, all this kind of stuff, that's gonna be a big thing for them. Like, how bad do you guys want it? Right. Do you guys really want to dig deep? Are you guys really willing to give up smoking weed or doing that going out or doing this or, or doing that or whatever? to really focus on being a great football player or part of a great football team. Those are all questions that have to get asked about this football team. And it's a culture thing. And so that's why I say that dynamic offense is number one thing that has to get addressed. The strength program has to get figured out. And then can he create a hungry culture? That's going to be the third, the third question. And like within other things, it's like, okay, your defense is already really good. Can you enhance certain areas? You know, get better edge rushes and all that. But the defense is already still pretty good. The, those are the things where I think a, a pure change needs to happen. And uh, so those would be the top three for me. Very, very good question. Jeremy Maxwell asks, uh, being a huge Quentin Nelson fan, just curious who your opinion on the best offensive lineman at each position at Notre Dame. So I, I, we've kind of been asked this question in different ways before. So this is what I would do, Jeremy, is I'd give you like my all-time starting five at Notre Dame and, and all-time for me with, when it comes to offensive linemen is more so like early 90s. I I know that Andy Heck was really good, but I don't remember like Andy Heck like I do Todd Light and Rocket Ismail. So you're like early 90s on, 
what would be my all-time Notre Dame starting lineup? And it's a it's a tough one, man, because I'm gonna have to move guys around because they can't all play the same position. But here here would be my my five, and and I've changed it's evolved over time. But I have Quentin Nelson at left guard. I would have Aaron Taylor at right guard. I would have Jeff Fain at center. I would have Zach Martin at left tackle. And I'm trying to think of who my right tackle is. It, 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 you, you got Ronnie Stanley. You got Mike McGlinchey. You got Liam Meikenberg. You got Mike Rosenthal. You got Luke Pettigoot. You got Ryan Harris. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a little bit of a tougher one there. I'd probably lean towards – probably lean towards McGlinchey at right tackle because he's he, in college he was a more physical run blocker but what Ronnie St- Stanley turn, has turned into in the pros if, if you could get that version at Notre Dame then it'd probably be Ronnie uh, at right tackle just thinking about it from my lifetime but those would probably be my picks so Q at left guard Aaron Taylor at right guard Jeff Fain at center Zach Martin at left tackle and either McGlinchey Stanley or Liam Eikenberger at right tackle uh, I'd probably go with McGlinchey uh, or Stanley because I thought they had – like Liam had a great – I, I would argue that Liam's last year at Notre Dame was better than any year Ronnie had individually or, or better than anything Mike McGlinchey did individually. But McGlinchey had two really good seasons at Notre Dame. Ronnie had two really good seasons at Notre Dame. And uh, Liam just had the one. He was solid in his other years, but but he wasn't quite as dominant as those guys as those guys were, in my opinion. So those are, those are, those are, I, those are fun questions to have. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lucky Duck asks the question, which 2024 recruit do you hope you are most wrong about? This is a good one. Defensively, Sean Savillano and Tabron Benny Powell are two guys I hope I am dead wrong about. I, I don't think that I'm dead wrong about Teddy Teddy Rezac because I like Teddy Rezac's ability. It's just, okay, can he fill out or not? I, I, I think he's a lot of ability. But if I could say defensively, which two I'm most wrong about, I hope I'm dead wrong about Sean Savolano, and I hope I'm dead wrong about Tabor on Benny Powell. On offense, that's a tough one because I – and oh, that's – you know, actually it's not a tough one because the only guy that I'm not super high on on offense is Anthony Knapp. I hope I'm wrong on Anthony Knapp. And I actually hope this is one where on three's crazy rankings are correct. They view him as a top 100 guy. That's that's one that I hope I'm wrong on because of Anthony Knapp, because I do like the – Ryan, you and I are talking about this before the show. I do like the athleticism. I do like the the, the, the physical he, – he is a – like that was the biggest surprise to me when I watched his film was how physical he was. 
Yeah. Because he's, you know, you think when you think 6'4, 265 left tackle, Ryan, your first thought is always oh, going to be a really athletic kid. And he is, but he's a, he fights, he competes. And so if yeah. I'm wrong on him, he's got a chance to be a, a, like, think of how, how Jarrett Patterson was, but more athletic and more powerful. That's to me yeah. what I could see Anthony um, Nat being if I'm wrong on him. And he can fill out and get to where he needs to get to and those type of things. That's a pretty good flipping player, right? A more athletic, physical version of Jared Patterson's a pretty good football player. Didn't Jared Patterson play like 400 snaps this year as a rookie? I think I read yep. somewhere for the for a team that went to the playoffs. So that's the one on offense I hope I'm the most wrong about. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, it's Styles Prescott for me. I I just have concerns. I have concerns over. Him getting a little tight as he puts too much weight on potentially too quickly. Uh, we'll see if that translates or not. I just, I I don't know. We'll see. Styles Prescott would be offensively. Defensively, it would be Cole Mullins for me probably. I, I Notre Dame needs to continue to get better on the edges as far as being more impactful. I like Cole the baseline as like a physical edge setter guy that can play the run game a ton. I just don't necessarily see pass rush upside. There, you see so. more junior to Alamaca, basically, is what you're saying. Like what you said earlier yeah. about junior. You don't think yeah. he's going to add much from a pass rush standpoint. He's a physical kid yeah. that can do things on the edge, I, right? I, I I think he'll be a really good player in the run game and be that baseline good player. I just don't know if I see crazy upside as a pass rusher. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those would be my guys. For me, Tabron, because if 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 he's good, then you're. I feel a lot better about the safety position. I mean, I that's, Ron, that's the big he thing. Took a, he me. took a nice job, a jump as a senior man. He yeah. took a nice jump. So hopefully, he takes another big jump. We'll see, though. We'll we shall see. see. He's going to need one to me, for my opinion, of what he is to play at Notre Dame. And that's why I hope I'm wrong about him. But there's not a lot of guys in this class I'm down on, Ryan. That's the thing is like, oh, Kenny Urlacher I mean, would be another one for me. I hope I'm wrong about for, Kenny for the same reasons that I'm, I would assume that I'm wrong on Tabron Benny Powell. I mean, is it, I mean, look, if he's the safety needs these guys to pan out. The depth oh, yeah. chart needs yeah. these guys to pan out. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, guys, there's just part of the thing I love about this class. I mean, look, I know I have this guy ranked ninth in the class, but like, guys, th- these guys that are ranking like eighth and ninth in the class on each side of the ball are guys that would have ranked in the top three in other, a lot of other classes. Like, that's yep. the thing. And so it's like, I'm, these guys are pretty good. There aren't that many I'm down on. And so that makes it a little bit tougher than other years. Got Michael Johnson. Everyone has KM being passed. Oh, Kenny Minchie being passed up by CJ Carr. What are the chances that Kenny Minchie could be the number two quarterback after the spring with the new offensive coordinator? I, I think it's possible. I mean, look, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I can't speak for everybody else. I'm going to speak for myself. I don't think it's assumed that CJ Carr is going to beat out Kenny Minchie. I've never said that. I mean, well, are, are they asking though? They're asking if Kenny Minchie. Oh, wait. well, they're also asking if Kenny Minchie can leap. Right. Steve I'm talking about the Jelly, first, right? the first part one. of it. Yeah. 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 So to me, I don't, I don't think it's assumed that CJ is going to pass up Kenny, especially this season. The yeah. the question of whether can Kenny pass up Steve Angeli that that's a that's a legitimate question. Will he be given the chance? I, I don't know yeah. the answer to that because, as you know, Ryan, a lot of coaches really like experience, and Kenny's not going to have anywhere close to the experience, no matter what happens this year. Kenny will never have the experience that, that Steve Angeli has until they give him a chance to earn that. that that's yep. basically what it boils down to. So, you know, and then for Kenny, you've got to go out and seize it. That's the thing is like, you you can't just, you're not going to beat out Steve Angeli just because you have great arm talent. It's about what's the work you put in in the weight room starting now. 
You know, what's the extra work you put in? What leadership traits do you show? Because one of the things about Steve Angelo that the coaches like is this kid shows leadership traits. Does Steve, does Kenny take sort of a back seat from that standpoint or does he start to assert himself? So it's not like, because if it just comes down to who can spin it the best, Steve, Kenny Minchie would have already passed up Steve Angeli because there is no debate to me when it comes to just who throws a better ball. Kenny, by far, I, you could argue that Kenny might throw a better ball than anybody on the roster next year, including CJ, just as far as what it looks like coming out of his hand. Yeah. He's got, I mean, just really good arm talent, but that's not even close to all you need to show as a quarterback to become a starter or pass somebody up because to be the backup quarterback, you've got to be viewed as if this guy goes down, you're our guy. Yeah. And if they don't trust you to have those other leadership tools and work ethic tools and knowledge tools and things like that, which I don't think would be a problem because we've heard Kenny's wicked smart, but he's not a real assertive personality. That's always going to be the big holdup for Kenny. Can he be assertive enough to say in a crowded quarterback room, no coach, I'm that dude. That's the question. And if he can show that this year, the arm talent is outstanding, Ryan. There's no doubt about that. So that's going to be the big question. Can it, what are the chances? I don't know about chances, but I'll say this. It can certainly happen. If he, if he can show those things, there's no doubt. I won't be surprised if Kenny or CJ pass up Steve Angeli, but I also won't be completely shocked if Kenny holds the, or if Steve holds them off. Yeah. Yeah. I hope not, but I think it's possible. Yeah. I mean, Steve showed uh, obviously a lot in the bowl game. You know, people rave about his character and just the, the competitor he is. So if he ends up being the backup, I wouldn't be shocked at all. If he ends up getting passed up by one of the younger, more talented players, I, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't shock me either. I'm more concerned, honestly, about not even this year as much. I mean, it'll be nice to get a couple of those guys some some game time experience, hopefully, in this season. But honestly, like, this is a conversation that we're going to be having a lot, not this offseason, the next offseason, because yeah. that's yeah. when there should be a legitimate competition on the table for a starting yeah. job potentially so mike huff who's now down his name is now bear down soldiers i completely yes. forgot about joe alt completely what, forgot what about, about joe alt. Alt. i was what asked joe the question basically what were the best positions like best guard center tackle so i put together my starting five on the underneath offensive line and i had okay quentin nelson at left guard aaron taylor at right guard jeff fain at center mm-hmm. zach martin at left tackle and either either mcglinchy or stanley at right tackle just completely forgot about Joe Walt. Yeah. Joe Walt's a left tackle. Zach Martin's a right tackle. And it's done deal. I completely forgot about Because when I was asked this question a year ago, it was only guys mm-hmm. that had played before. And so I kind of yeah. already had it in my head that that's where it was. Completely forgot about Joe Walt. So, yes, Joe Walt's my yeah. left tackle. and it's, it, it's yes, pretty, after, Especially after this season. It's, yes. it's pretty funny that in about five years, when people ask us about all-time greats, we'll be talking about Joe Walt, you know, as yeah. far as, like, I reminiscing. Know. Oh, yeah, Joe yes. Walt. That guy was pretty good, man. Yes. Pretty good. Pretty yes, good he was. He was. Yeah. So my bad on that completely, completely. I was thinking about guys from the past and forgot yeah. about the present. So yes, Joe Walt is my left tackle on that team. Zach Martin. That's a heck of an offensive line, Ryan. Jeff Fain at center, Aaron Taylor, Quentin Nelson at guard, and Joe yeah. Walt and Zach Martin at tackle. Whew. And I Quentin will Nelson say Zach Martin at tackle yeah. because I thought Zach Martin was phenomenal in Notre Dame. I know yeah. he didn't get the All-American status, but he didn't get drafted in the sixth, sixth, number 16 overall in the draft at his size because he didn't have great film at Notre Dame. Like, let's right. be honest about that, right? Like, he had yeah. great film. And mm-hmm. um, if he had more of a tackle body, he would have gone higher. But because he was, I think, because he was viewed as a 
shorter lengthwise interior guy that he yeah. fell a little bit further. But his his 13 season in Notre Dame was outstanding. And he was pretty flipping good in 2011 and 2012 also. Yep. So, uh, yes. But Joe Walt like was a freak. I like he played forever at Notre Dame, Damn. too. Zach yes. Four-year starter. Yeah, yeah. four-year starter. Yep. You don't see that a whole lot. Yeah. Speaking of Joe Walt, that's what made me think of I needed to remind that I needed to um, adjust my my list a little bit. Lucky Ducks, 5-1-2. Lots of people picking the Titans as the landing spot for Joe Alt. Thoughts on that being his landing spot? I mean, they need one of the big three offensive tackles. <laughs> they need it desperately. Right now, today stands. I was talking about this the other day with someone. The starting offensive tackles for the Tennessee Titans in 2024, as of right now, without free agency put into it, Nicholas Petit-Friere at left tackle. The right tackle is Chris Clark, I think. I forget. But then their backups are, shoot, who was the one? It was uh, Andre Dillard, and then the other backup offensive tackle was Dylan Radins. Guys, that offensive line stinks. I mean, to be very honest, that line stinks. Nicholas Petit-Friere is not very good. Chris Hubbard, I'm sorry, was, was the right tackle. But Chris Hubbard should not start in the NFL. Andre Dillard should be a swing player in the NFL, not a starter. And Dylan Raiden should not start in the NFL. So you have one guy that maybe is a starting offensive tackle, maybe in the NFL right now. Tennessee Titans are in a bad situation offensive tackle-wise. They need to get one of Joe Alt, preferred, Olufushanu, Penn State, or Talese Fuaga out of Oregon State. They need to get one of those big three offensive tackles, or else they're in a tough spot. It is so disappointing what he has. I, I haven't watched him in the NFL, but I, you're not the first person that told me that Nicholas Pettifrayer has not been very good in the NFL. Oh, he stinks. Just like he was uh, at Ohio State. Not very good. It's yep. so disappointing because he was so good coming out of high school and was pretty good early in his career at Ohio State. They put This is an example of why you have to be careful with how much weight you put on players because there becomes a breaking point. And the thing that people think, Ryan, is, well, if you put too much weight on a guy, you just get that weight off. No, no, no. Sometimes once you go past a certain point, they don't recover that athleticism. They just don't. And he's an example of that. Most Stovall is an example of that, too. He he got better when he lost all the weight, but he never got the type of athleticism he had early in his career back when they when they put too much weight on him. But, um, yeah, that's a that's a bummer. How did Skaronsky, how did he play for them? Gronsky was good at left guard. Yeah, it's a good okay. player. <laughs> Dude, okay. easy eval. Like, yep, What's wild is a lot of the guys you're talking about were high draft picks. I mean, Andre Dillard was a first-round draft pick. Yeah, uh, Dylan Ray Duns is a second-round draft pick. Yeah. Uh, uh, wasn't uh, Nicholas Pettit-Frere? He was a second-round pick, a second- or third-round pick, right? Third-round third round pick? Yeah. yeah. I think third-round, yeah. So, yeah, it's wild. Joseph Barrett, Brian, Ohio State is basically trying to buy a national championship. How dangerous is this model regarding the competitive balance with college football? I mean, I I, I don't think it's I don't think it's dangerous at all from a competitive balance standpoint. I mean, because you're seeing other teams buying players. I mean, Miami bought yeah. one of the top quarterbacks in the portal. He didn't go to Bama. He didn't go to Ohio State. I mean, you know, the Cameron. I mean, we'll ask you, Ryan. Who, who's a bet? Just who's a better player? Forget the personality and the, some of the red flags you and I both have about him, but who's yeah. who would have been a more impactful quarterback at Ohio State? Will Howard or Cameron Ward? Oh, Cameron Just, Ward. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. why didn't they get They weren't willing to meet the asking price, right? I mean, yeah. so it's not just that they're throwing money out to the best players. I mean, they are trying to build a team. And people have asked, well, you know, why would you go out and get Quinshawn Junkins? Because 
your your elite back, your 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 elite talent at running back right now, Trayvon Henderson has never been able to be healthy. Right. I mean, freshman he was, but he you need another a number back. I mean, so I mean, yeah, they're trying to buy a title, but they're not doing anything different than everybody else is doing. I mean, Georgia's yeah. trying to buy a title too. They're just they're just buying high school players instead of college players. Yeah, there's that's no different. You know what I mean? Yeah. That you, you don't think Georgia's not paying for these high school kids they're getting? Of course they are. They're just choosing not to throw that kind of money around on the portal. Same with Alabama. So all these teams are trying to buy players. It's just they're trying to buy players in different ways. So I don't yeah. think it's dangerous, to be honest with you. I mean, it's it's kind of what everybody's doing. If Ohio State wasn't doing this, then people would be bitching that they're Clemson. Like everyone comes, oh, wow, Clemson's not engaging in this and not engaging in that. They're missing. The, and it's like, well, we all complain that we don't like this system, and then we want to bash the only head coach at a major school that's not willing to engage in that system as if he's some kind of idiot. It's like, well, pick a lane, guys. You know what I mean? But, like, you talk about competitive balance. I mean, is Ole Miss a team that people are viewing as a top-10 program next year if they couldn't buy players in the way that they're buying players right now? Does anybody think that? Is Louisville go from what they were to what they are now if they couldn't go out and buy players? No. So, if anything – one of the things that, that that this has done more than I thought it would, Ryan, is it has created more competitive balance in college football because Kentucky can go out there and buy players to, to, to be better. Missouri can go out there and buy players away from Oklahoma. Miami can go buy players. You know, and so you're, you're seeing more of this to where I think it's actually creating more competitive balance as opposed to Ohio State's going to, you know, and the other thing too, Ryan, is I don't think that the moves they made all of a sudden made Ohio State like this juggernaut that no one's going to be able to beat next year. Caleb Downs is a phenomenal pickup. Julian Sang will be a good pickup in time. I don't think these other moves all of a sudden mean Ohio State's going to be more talented than they were two years ago because I don't think they're yeah. going to be more talented than they were two years ago when they lost to George in the playoffs. So, Will Howard's not in the same universe as, as C.J. Stroud as a quarterback. Sure. So I just – I don't think it's – I mean, I don't have a problem with what Ohio State's doing because it's in the rules. This is the rules now. And they were not happy with the season they had, and they're going out there and trying to find players that make them better. Good. That's what you should do. Mich Michigan did that. I mean, yeah. Michigan got a lot of transfers the last couple of years. They weren't the high-profile guys as much as really good fits for what they're trying to do. But like they, they have plenty of transfers in their starting lineup this past year. So, I mean, it's. I, no I, I think the only dangerous thing that some programs are doing is that they just rely completely on the portal. And I think that's dangerous yes. for the health of a program. I mean, Ohio state is only a six pickups in the portal, right? At literally less than Notre Dame. So it's not like they're just, uh, Oh, our team stays. One's a true freshman load. And right. Right. One will be a true freshman. Yeah, I don't think they're offloading and just replacing a supplementing a roster with a bunch of transfer portal kids. Like that's not what they're right. doing. They're trying to fill in gaps with impact players. And okay, cool. Right. I I because I, I think regardless, like even if let's say all six just don't do it for Ohio State for whatever reason, the odds are obviously very low there. But if they're off the team after one year, it's like it's only six players. You know what I mean? Like you can right. you can make and that Ohio happen. State's so. still pretty talented. Like yeah. to your example, Ryan, I think Florida State's getting into a very dangerous territory right now. Yes. Now I like some of the pickups they made this offseason. I think Florida State's going to have a talented team. But what we don't know is what kind of team – no, let me rephrase. They're going to have a talented roster. What I don't know is what kind of team they're going to have. Louisville is having that issue right now. Is this sustainable? Like, go look at how many high school kids Louisville signed this year. 
It's a very small number. That's the big question for me is I don't know if it's healthy for those teams to right. do that, to just year after year just be – and the problem is once you dip into that in a big way, you're almost – you have to keep doing it to field a roster. Yeah. You know, once you go out and get 20 portal guys, you can't replace that next year with nothing but high school kids because otherwise you're going to have – half your roster is going to be freshmen and redshirt freshmen. That's not yep. really where you want – more than half. That's not really where, where really where you want to be. So, to me, I think your point is right, Ryan, where this is more of a concern for certain teams. Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to have a lot of talent on their roster next year. What kind of team are they going to have? I, I don't know. I've never seen these guys play together. Michigan State's a perfect example. After 2021, they didn't stop going to get portal guys. It's just the portal guys weren't as good. And yeah. the team wasn't as effective as, as what they had done the year before when they were really good. And that's why teams like Michigan and Georgia and Alabama and Notre Dame and Ohio State are taking more of a, we're going to plug holes with the best possible player we can get as opposed to wholesale roster moves. Michigan's done that. You throw Michigan in that conversation as well. And I think that's the way that the portal needs to, yeah. to, to go if you're deep into your tenure. I, I do understand some coaches taking over at new schools and, and they want to do all that. And sometimes like, you have to because so many of your players left when the previous coach left. I, I get all that. Like Brian Kelly had to go to the portal his first year. Like I'll, I'll give yeah. Brian Kelly credit. The field of team. He has yeah. he has continued to more and more transition to high school recruiting. But he also says, "Hey, we got to go get portal guys because we have to field a roster our first couple of years." But we're going. We're trying to build to being more high school oriented when then the portal fills needs. That's what they're trying yeah. to get to. That's a good. That's a fair strategy to employ when you inherit mm-hmm. a team where most of your roster, half your roster left when the previous coach was fired. Yeah. He had no choice to go to the port, but to go to the portal. But he has had a, a strategy there that Lincoln Riley has failed to adapt at US adopt at USC. That that's why Brian Kelly to me will have more consistency at LSU than Lincoln Riley's gonna have at USC. Because Brian sure. Kelly's trying to build it the right way, which is using both where Lincoln Riley is just constantly going for the quick fix, quick fix, quick fix, quick fix. And I don't think that's sustainable, in my opinion. Dan Lanning's doing it the same way, in my opinion. Like, he's going to the portal for impact players, but he's not building his roster through the portal. He's landing top 10 recruiting classes in high school and then Mm -hmm. fitting portal guys into the needs that they have. I think that's the best way to go, and I think that's what Ohio State's doing. And I I don't have a problem with it. We can maybe be critical of some of the specific moves. I don't think Seth McLaughlin is like your only O lineman in the portal is going to move the. That that's not an upgrade for you over Carson Hensman, in no. my opinion. But, well, I, but I hope they're going to put him the, in. A, I, I hope they're going to put him in a guard spot and not yeah. move Hensman off of center. Are you thinking he's going to have because this game against Michigan was not the first time all year he's had Mc, the yips as a snap. McLaughlin's played guard in the past at Alabama, yeah. so I'm assuming that he's probably going to be a yeah. guard competition at the other spot. Matt Jones is leaving. Yeah. So that's my assumption. So, and then you'd have that now you have a decent interior with Donovan Jackson and Carson Hensman and then and then McLaughlin if he doesn't have to snap, but to me that's the what Ohio State's doing is reasonable. We could debate on is this guy going to move the needle or not? Should you have gone after this position or that position? But what they're doing makes total sense in the modern landscape. And they'd yeah. be foolish not to do that. Why would they not want to go get Caleb Downs? Of course you want Caleb Downs. Now, you have to buy him to get him there. Okay, that's fine. But that's the rules. That's where we are. But why would you not want Caleb Downs on your football team? Why would you – you know, I mean, well, Quinshawn Junkins is a – let's take the off-the-field rumors that we've heard because I don't know about – why would you not want to have a guy like him complimenting Travion Henderson who struggled to stay healthy? 
on your football team. I, I mean, to me, there's some sense that it makes. You've already lost Chip Trainum. You've lost Mayan Williams. You get yourself a guy that's good. You know, he's not a big play guy, but he's a bulk guy to complement with your home run hitter in Travion, and that takes some of that burden off of Travion. And then in the big games, if you need to lean on Travion a little bit more, go for it. But he's only getting 10 carries for 120 yards against Maryland. You know what I mean? And and then that, I mean, a lot of it makes sense. And so um, I, I have no problem with Ohio State's doing philosophically because they're still a high school-driven recruiting operation. Do I think there's some panic in some of these moves? Yes, I do. Yeah. But philosophically, I don't have a problem with what Ohio State's doing at all. That'll be another conversation for another day, right? Because I, I do want to dive into some specific teams. I think that'll be a good talk for us to have about is what they're doing sustainable. You know what I mean? I think that'll be a, a, a you know, Louisville, USC, Ole Miss, Florida State. It's going to be Miami. But even Miami, Miami's still trying to recruit high school kids at a high level too. They are. And so mm-hmm. last two questions here from Mike Reddy. Mike Reddy, how do coaches find recruits when scouting or are also are wide receivers recruited based on skill set or by position? Well, it's both. I mean, there's a lot of things that goes into it. How do coaches uh, find recruits when scouting? I mean, you get on the road. I mean, some most of these kids you know about. I mean, yeah, you've got all these Coach scouting Connect, services. Um, and I'm not even talking about scouting services like Riles and 247. I'm talking, there's actual real scouting services that will give you names and top players. And there's so much film available out there now. And it's so easy to get the film now. You make a call. Hey, coach, can you send me this kid? And he literally just goes to his computer, hits blah, 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 send him game film and highlight film. You know what I mean? Like you could also just follow Tom Lemming on Twitter and I'll tell you about every you single go. player in the country. So. You aren't. <laughs> like back in the day, Ryan, like when I was recruiting, like I'd have to call yeah. a coach and then he'd have to, you know, put the VHS tape together, put it in the mail, like, you know, drop it off. Like when I was a GA at Duquesne, this is 2003, I had to go to the airport, drop drop a film off at the airport that got sent to the airport and then their GA would have to go pick it up that night. And now it's just like, you literally do it from your computer. It's just, it's changed the game, you know, but it's, it's, you, you, you gotta look at, okay, can, does this, does this kid have the transcript we look for? Is he, if, I mean, there's all those type of things that go into it, but when you come specifically to receiver play, it's skill set and position. It's a combination of both. Meaning like, Hey, you go into a recruiting cycle and, Boy, there's this really good big body. We only have one spot, and there's this really good big bodied receiver that we love. And there's this other kid that's a shiftier in space guy that we love. Who do you go after? What's your need? If yeah. you've recruited like three big bodied guys in a row and you're coming up short on the space guys, then you go for the space guy. Opposite's true. If you landed a, a class, like let's say this year, Notre Dame's recruiting class is this, Ryan. Let's say they land Taylor, Taylor, Dalen McCutcheon, Elijah Burrs, and Lex Cyrus. That's a heck of a four-man haul. But you know what? Next year, you better give me a couple big bodies because I need some guys that can be volume guys or play. Right. So it, it just varies year to year and what your needs are. Uh, but you have to have guys that, that you're going to look for certain skill sets and you're going to look for guys that can fit certain parts of what you're trying to do offensively. Now, there's always the notion of we can build around a guy, but if your entire roster is built for one thing, you can't change your entire offense because one guy doesn't fit that. You have to try to fit into recruit into what you're doing. If you're taking over a team, maybe that's true. But when you're at a place for a while, you're recruiting to what you want. So it's a little yeah. bit of both, in my opinion. Yep. Yeah. A lot of layers to it, like you said. A whole lot. 
All right. We did have two more questions. One more question pop up that I want to address, but we're not going to add any more. We're going to get to this question, then one more. Mark with glasses, considering Notre Dame quarterback recent history, is Deuce Knight the most important recruits ever? Oh man, I no, no idea. I mean, recruiting's been happening for a very long time. So I mean that that would yeah, I there'd be a lot better people to ask than me who's been re- covering recruiting for a couple years now. There's a long um, history of recruiting. No, he's not the most important recruit ever. I mean, uh, I mean, that's so much pressure to put on him. I think Deuce is a tremendous talent. I am so glad the Notre Dame got him. I do not even want to come close to putting that kind of pressure on him. Um, not even close. I mean, and, and I don't care if Deuce Knight's the best quarterback to ever play the game. If you don't build a class around him, it won't matter. I mean, Pat Mahomes had a losing record as a starting quarterback in college. Right, you, you got to put him in the right system with the right players around him. So no, he's not the most. I don't know that there is a singular greatest recruit ever. Because some people say, well, you know, when he signed, Ron Paulus was that guy. We'll have that turn out. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could take you could take most important in so many different yeah ways as well. Yeah, I was thinking it's like a look back thing. Like if Deuce Knight comes to Notre Dame, brings a top five class with him, and they win a national championship, couple titles, two, yeah. Then- Sure. Like, like, I'll look back and be like, wow, man, that was maybe the most important recruit ever. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's a great point, thing. Ryan. Yeah. That, let's see what he does first. Let's see who yeah. that – I mean, m- maybe it ends up being Kenny Minchie. Maybe Kenny Minchie's that guy that wins him with two titles. Maybe it's CJ. Maybe it's Deuce. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a great point. And that's a that's a really good point, Ryan. But, yeah, I, I, w- I don't I, – I would never put that pressure on a guy before he gets here. I, yeah. I think the best way to do that is, is retroact. Like, who – who thought that – I mean, there's a lot of players you could point to where I say, boy, who who thought that when Joe Burrow signed with Ohio State and then transferred to LSU, who thought at all that Joe Burrow was going to do what he did at, at LSU? Nobody, right? Yeah. I mean, so – There aren't many guys pre- like that anyway. There aren't yeah. Guys. I mean, like yeah. maybe when Clemson got Trevor Lawrence, they were like, man, that's the most important recruit we ever got. Like maybe. Sure. Yeah, so they know. could win another title after they had already won one two years before. Yeah. I mean, you with Clemson, if you were going to make that argument, it would be Deshaun. That's who they would make. But then I'd say, but is Deshaun at Clemson if Taj Boyd doesn't do what he did to lay that foundation to make it an attractive job? To even I mean, so you could play this game all day. You know what I mean? Yeah. All day. Let's see what happens when they play. I think that's a good way of looking at it, Ryan. And here is the last question that we are going to address today. This is a good good way to end it. Rocket25 says, does the 12-team playoff improve Notre Dame's chances of winning national championship? Pros and cons, needing to finish in the top four and win twice versus finishing in the top 12 and needing to win four games. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before. I mean, I mean, my quick thoughts on it are, I think it improves the chances because it's more likely every single year you're going to be in the fields. And I think with the parity in college football, I'm okay with the expansion of the playoff, especially now, because I think that there's just going to be more teams that are capable of potentially winning a national championship on a year to year basis. I think that that pool is growing. I think that obviously the negatives are you're going to have to win more playoff games to win a championship, right? Like, so like that's going to decrease the chances, but I think it improves it overall. I think that just okay. having the ability to consistently get in and more even playing field as far as the parity in college football at a higher level. Now I think it improves Notre Dame's chances personally. I was not originally of that viewpoint, Ryan. And I, and I got it quickly. I got it changed pretty quickly. There's a couple other things that I'd point to that play into that as well. If you, if you're getting into the top, first of all, it's harder to get in the top four. And then it is the top 12 or 11 really for Notre Dame. 
So it, the more chances you have of getting into the playoff, the greater chance you have at winning it. Even if one year you got in as a 10 seed, right? I mean, so so there's that. The other part of it, too, is in a 14 playoff, every year you're going to have to beat one of Georgia, Ohio State, or Alabama, or Clemson, yeah. like most years, right? Well, in a 12-team playoff, you don't always have to be the team that beats those teams. I mean, conceivably, you may only have to beat one of them because somebody else upset all those other teams in the in the in the set court. Because now there's quarters, you know. Because like one of the SEC teams. I mean, because football is so much about matchups. Maybe Georgia gets a terrible matchup. Maybe Bama wins the SEC or Texas wins the SEC, and Georgia gets in as a as the five seed or the six seed, and they get some horrible matchup for them in rounds one or in the quarters i mean and you don't have to play them you know what i mean so it's like if the 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 number two team in the sec the number two team in the big 10 all you're not gonna have to play that team until the semis and and so it it increases the odds that that you are don't have to win two huge games to win it all some years you're gonna have to but some years those teams may get knocked off by somebody who is also very good but you match up better with that's the right. thing. Like Notre Dame has not often matched up well against Alabama because they are as good as you are, if not better, at what is supposedly the bread and butter of who you are. You're a line-driven team. They're better along both lines. I mean, that's what was true in 2012, right? And that was true in 2020. Well, now you you may they may get beat by a Michigan, but then you look at your team and say, hey, we match up better against Michigan, hypothetically speaking, right? But they don't match up well against Michigan, so Michigan handles their business, and now you match up better with this team, that kind of thing, right? I mean, those are all things that factor into it um, that, to me, open up the opportunities more for Notre Dame. There's mm-hmm. this greater chance. I mean, I, I've mentioned this before. When, when the last time Michigan played for the national championship in basketball, the highest – they played five games to get to the title game. The highest seeded team they beat was a seven seed. They played Loyola Chicago in the Final Four just because it just all the teams ahead of them got knocked off. It won't be to that degree in college football, but you'll yeah. still see some of that stuff. Like it just you will. I don't need to elaborate it on it more, but you will. And so I think that just overall enhances it. Combined with, you're going to see them get in more, in my opinion. And yep. the, and the more you Which get in, the more chances. And not only that too, Ryan, but it, you know, perhaps it helps your recruiting a little bit more. You know, you, you get in and you win a game and you go maybe get a player that you wouldn't have got if you didn't get into a 14 playoff and you're playing in the Gator Bowl. Nobody cares. I mean, those are all possibilities that could, could factor into that, in yep. my opinion. So, yep, there we go. All right, that is going to do it, man. Why don't you go ahead and take us out of here, buddy? All right, well, everyone, appreciate you all for dropping in for the Monday mailbag before you go. You can just hit that like button for us. We really appreciate it on YouTube. Also hit that subscription and also notification bell. So you know when the next podcast is coming up very shortly. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, whether that is Apple, Spotify, or anything in between, make sure you hit a five-star review. You can go to BoardsIversBreakdown.com. We'll have some team recruiting and maybe some NFL draft intel going on throughout the rest of the week. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast once again. We'll talk to you again very soon here, folks. Appreciate the support as always here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.